do want to say that I am absolutely thrilled with the things that Victory Baptist Church is doing. There are a lot of people interested in a lot of outreaches, and I sure appreciate that. A lot of work goes on around here, and I sure appreciate that. And very few churches our size have the things going that we do, and it's because of you. And uh, I sure appreciate it, but anytime there's an opportunity comes to mind, I do want to mention it in case the Lord is in it for somebody. All right, 1 Corinthians 16. This isn't the sermon, but look at verse 12. I can't help but notice this. The Bible says, As touching our brother Apollos, I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have convenient time. I always thought that was an interesting verse. Here was the Apostle Paul, the Apostle to the Gentiles. I mean, had an important office, wrote most of the New Testament, more of the New Testament than any other author, right neck and neck with Luke. And I think Paul wrote just a little bit more. And uh, yet, when he wanted Apollos to show up, he did not force Apollos to do it. He tried to influence him to. He had leadership. Don't get me wrong, I'm not denying Paul's leadership. Maybe Apollos was wrong and should have done it. I don't know, but I do know this. By no stretch was it a dictatorship, because when he wanted Apollos to go real bad, Apollos didn't. And I know why. You didn't much want to fool with those Corinthians. <laughs> they, were like, they were a carnal mess. But Paul really thought he could have been a blessing to him, but it's interesting that uh, it wasn't forced. Some of the worst mistakes I've made in my life is trying to force things. And I'm not just talking about on others. I'm talking about sometimes on myself. Trying to force myself to do something and there was a reason it wasn't working. <laughs> when I tried to kick that door down, I messed up. But uh, the text for tonight is down just a few verses down, verse 15. I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such, and to every one that helpeth with us, and laboreth. So I want to preach tonight on the house of Stephanus. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray you come down and meet with us and show us the truth from your word, God, and help us to be the Christians that we ought to be for you all the way up until you come, which we hope is real soon. But Lord, if you do, Terry, I pray, Lord, that we're still, still faithful to you, even as the even as the night darkens, even as things are in the worst mess in our civilization and our society, you know they sure are. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to say that this family is a model spiritual family. Now Paul is closing his first letter to the gifted Corinthian church. Now they were gifted, they were, they were smart, they made plenty of money, and uh, they were talented, but they were carnal. Some of the worst messed up people you'll ever come across are some of the most talented people. That's true. Have you ever noticed that some of the greatest musicians and some of the greatest poets and some of the greatest artists, some of the greatest actors are a mess? Their personal lives are a wreck. They can't get off the drugs and alcohol. They can't stay in a stable relationship either with friends or family or lovers or anything. They're a stinking mess. I don't know what it is about that. 
But that's been true all of history. It's not a new thing that's come up, even in, in ancient times. Many of your most talented people, many of your people that had the best potential were horribly messed up and flawed. And sure enough, the Corinthian church is that way. They're all gifted as can be. But man, are they a carnal mess. By carnal, we mean fleshy. Chili con carne is chili with meat. Yeah. So anytime we say carnal, we're talking about something that pleases your meat, your flesh, your body. Feels good to the, to the physical body. Uh, recently in town, we had the carnival. You know what you're doing there? You're pleasing the flesh. I love the fair food. I like the rides. I like uh, everything about it except that there's nothing spiritual about it. Nobody's there getting saved or getting called to the mission field or anything. It's just to make you feel good for a little while. It's just a big display of flesh. So Paul is closing this letter here, and in these last remarks, he begs for something. It's for the Corinthians to submit themselves to a family. Now, when you've got somebody that is a mess, their life is a shipwreck, God help them, one thing that they almost always have is they don't want somebody telling them what to do. They have trouble with authority. Nearly every case, you'll hardly ever find an exception to this, somebody who just failed and wiped out in life had somebody telling them what to do and they would not go along with it. Now that's your choice if you're, a, if you're an adult. You can't force somebody to go along with what you're telling them to do, even when you know it's what's best for them. But they do need to know they will pay dearly if they don't. So Paul's dealing with the carnal church, and he says, Look, I beseech you, that's similar to beg you, submit yourselves to this family. Now submission is especially needed by these carnal or fleshly people. Because they tend to despise dis, uh, dis, any sort of discipline, really, but especially uh, authority. Now, what can we learn about this family that made them worthy of commendation from Paul himself, the great apostle of the New Testament, and eternal recognition in God's eternal Bible? For all of eternity, this book is an eternal book. Amen. For all of eternity, the house of Stephanus is, a, is an example. That's right. Wow! What can we learn about them? So let's, let's examine it real close and see what we can learn. First thing I notice is they are a family. He doesn't say, you know Stephanus. He's a real cool guy. <laughs> no, he says, you know the house of Stephanus. They. So it's a family, like the first family dealt with closely, you know, Abraham's. I'll use him as an example since he's one that we get a pretty close look at. Uh, first thing I want to say about a family is they ought to appreciate one another. Now, I know when you've got to live in the same house with somebody all day, every day, you're going to have some spats. I understand that. Um, even somebody you work with eight hours a day, every day, you're going to end up in some spats. They're going to rub you wrong sometimes, but especially family. But you can still appreciate it. You can still love them. Uh, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, I'll have to say this, they appreciated each other. You don't read a whole lot of uh, battling between Abraham and Sarah. You don't read a whole lot of battling between Isaac and Abraham or Isaac and Sarah. They appreciated each other. They identified with one another. We talk about our God. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
They all went together. They didn't have any trouble with it. There is something wrong with families that are quick to break those family ties. Some of you know this. Some of these people with this mental illness that is running rampant in our society. The men committing suicide. The women and children threatening it. Everybody going seeing therapists. Everybody on some kind of drug for it. Everybody just going doing their own thing, claiming they've got this illness and that illness. And I guess some of them are real. Pretty sure some of them are. Don't claim to be a doctor here. But I know this, a lot of it's spiritual too. Yes, amen. And the doctors don't know anything about that, neither do the therapists. But I tell you what, it's getting real cool and real popular to do. Oh, well, your problem is you've got an abusive family. You need to cut off your family. You need to get away from your dads and husbands especially. The ones that God put in charge, you definitely don't want them. Uh, Sometimes it's a mother. Sometimes it's a brother or sister. Now you need your therapist, but boy, you get rid of that family. Well, wait a minute. Which one did God give us, therapists or families? I I get it, I know. Kim Jong-un, if he's your daddy, okay, I'm kind of with the therapist there. (laughs) Saddam Hussein, yeah, I would have to agree with with your therapist. They'll take 80% of the people of this country that's never assaulted anybody, has no criminal record, and done nothing to nobody. They're just kind of a jerk sometimes. Well, guess what? We all are. Yes. God gave us families knowing we're all jerks. Mm-hmm. But the cool thing is cut off your family. Get rid of them. Take these pills, see this therapist, but definitely get away from your family. <laughs> that's just not what I read in the Bible. I've read this Bible, I don't know, probably 100 times by now. I haven't come across that. Has anybody come across that in their Bible anywhere? That is not usually the thing outside of just some very extreme cases. So they identified with one another. They stayed together. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. You've got the husband and wife dwelling together. That is a big deal. So you know what they're trying to do? Get the husbands and wives not dwelling together. Either completely divorced or having a marriage where they're not on the same page. And so uh, you need to stay together. Uh, I'm going to read the famous passage from Ephesians chapter 6 on the family. Staying together. Children! Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Some people get the idea that a father's job is to be the hand of discipline angry, stern, corrector. Uh, No, it says nurture. That's different than what I just described, isn't it? It says admonition. You know what that word admonition means? Gentle warning. I didn't always do that. Gentle warning. Nurture and admonition. If you got fathers doing that, father's supposed to be the leader. Husband's supposed to be the leader. If you got husbands and fathers doing that, it sure is a whole lot easier for the others to follow. There's plenty that won't, especially in our day, but it sure makes it a lot easier if they want to at all. So it's a family. They appreciated one another. They identified with one another. They stayed together. 
Alright, the uh, next thing I notice about them is it says in verse 15, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus. So they're known. They're not off in the uh, bunker waiting for the apocalypse and nobody knows what in the world ever happened to them and nobody ever sees them. Your job, Christian, is to be salt and light in this world. But salt doesn't do any good if it's not sprinkled on the food. Anybody ever got a real good flavor from uh, your french fries leaving the salt in the shaker? Or did you always have to actually put it on the french fries? <laughs> All right. If your salt and your light is going to help this world, it's going to have to actually get out in the world. Now, you know my preaching against worldliness and my preaching against standards. And there is a risk you get out in the world, you're going to get some of it on you. And yeah, you will. But your job is to go out there and be salt and light. It's like uh, the ship staying in the harbor. Preacher Wilson has that big plaque up in his office. It says, a ship in a harbor is safe. But that's not what ships are for. And you Christians, if you and your family get off in a bunker... And don't ever interact with the world. You'll be safe. But you won't have done anything the Lord wants you to do. Amen. Just uh, being there in the bunker. Bragging about how safe you are. Won't get anything done for Jesus that way. Now, the song says, Going forth with weeping, sowing for the master, though the loss sustained, our spirit often grieves. When you get out there in the world, you will lose something. You go to war, some guys will get shot. Some guys will step on a landmine. It will happen. Or you can just stay home and let the devil just take over. Because you didn't want to fight him because a couple of people will get shot. You get out in the war, some dear ones to you will get shot. They'll be put out of the battle. It'll be heartbreaking. But if you just stay back in the background, you're not doing what the Lord wants you to do. You know what the house of Stephanus was? They were known. They were out there as opposed to keeping to themselves. 2 Corinthians 3, 2, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. Paul said to people, I get saved, I get saved to go out there and be known and read of all men. I want them out there spreading the gospel. I want them out there doing something, saying something. But they're not just known. They're known for some good things. That they've addicted themselves to the ministry. Uh, let's see if I've got this one. Proverbs 20, verse 11. Even a child is known by his doings, whether his work be pure and whether it be right. You young people do not have to wait till you're graduated and got a good job and got married and have two kids and moving up in your career before you get known for whether or not you're busy about good things. You can do that at a young age. When I was 9 and 10 years old, I was preaching trying to be a witness, not perfectly by a long shot, and sometimes on a street corner and sometimes knocking door to door, I was doing some good things. You can do that. And you can do that at a young age. Look at how important this is to the Lord. I'll read to you from 1 Timothy chapter 3 in his requirements for pastor and deacon. Here, I think 1 Timothy is what I want. 3. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. 
A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? And of course, we know how a man is supposed to rule his house in nurture and admonition of the Lord. Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without. He's not just been around church people all the time. He's done a business out in the public, and they don't all hate him. You know, there are certain people that when you walk into a business, they can't stand you. Because they know every time you're in there, you're just in there to try to beat them out of something. <laughs> I've been in business for a lot of years. Believe me, I know the type. Some of them pagan and heathen and some of them religious. Verse 8, likewise must the deacons be great, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy of filthy lucre, holding the mystery of faith and a pure conscience. And let these also first be proved, and then let them use the office of a deacon, being found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderers, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own houses well. For they that have used the office of a deacon well, purchased in themselves a good degree and great boldness in the faith, which is in Christ Jesus. So they're known, and they're known for good things. And that's what the Lord says is ideal for people that are going to be in his service. It's a family, and it's a family that's known. All right, I'll tell you something else. Uh, they're led by the man. It doesn't say the house of uh, Stephanie. It says the house of Stephanus. Uh, his name means crowned. When you saw Stephanus, you saw that he was king. There was a crown on him. You know what a crown does? It shows you who's king. The uh, Bible says in Proverbs 12, 4, A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. If you want to know if a woman's a good woman, you look at how her husband is treated. She makes sure he's king. He's crowned. I know that's not popular in our day, but I promised the Lord I'd preach the Bible, <laughs> not yes. popular stuff. Amen. That's how you tell a virtuous woman. If, if your husband is not crowned king, you're not a virtuous woman. Proverbs 12, 4. That's what, that's what it says. Um, he leads the marriage. Ephesians 5, 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. There's just no... The scriptures are clear on this. There's just... There are some things in scripture that it is, it is a bit confusing. There's room for good men to disagree. This one ain't one of them. There is no scripture... It seems to say the man should just be following and doing whatever the wife and children want. He just, they're the boss and he just helps in any way that he can. That's not how it works. God tells the man what he's supposed to be doing. The wife is in help to him and the children are blessings and helps that way and raised up with the glory of God. That's just the way it is in all the scriptures. That is how it works. So they're led by the man. He leads the marriage. He leads the children. Ephesians 6, 4, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. we got a generation of absent fathers. How can they bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord? In some cases, the father deserted, but in more cases these days, the father's purposely left out. Okay? Then the scripture doesn't even apply in those cases. 
He's supposed to lead the marriage. He's supposed to lead the children. They're led by the man. All right, I'll tell you something else about them. They're converts, not apostles. As I'm reading a family that's this good, where he's begging the church, submit yourselves to this family, I'm thinking, okay, well, they're in the Bible. They're back in the New Testament day. They're obviously apostles. They've got these, you know, supernatural gifts. But they're not. They're just converted after Paul's witness reached Achaia. Probably they're in Corinth. Achaia is the region. Corinth is the city. So somehow Paul's witness got there, and they were the first fruits of Achaia. They just got saved there. In other words, they're just Christians like me and you. They didn't have the apostolic gifts. They couldn't speak in tongues as far as we know. But they definitely didn't have faith healing, or if they did, they didn't have it for long because those were taken away before the end of Paul's ministry. So they're just converts. But I will say this for them. They were the first converts. So they've been there the longest. So you know what that tells me? They were the most mature. They had grown in grace. Uh, it's good to be saved. Keep studying the Bible. Keep hanging out with other Christians. Keep watching people that are experienced in ministry and learn from them. And you'll be surprised how you'll change a year later, and two years later, four years later, and eight years later. Your life will be different. You just stay around there. Let's see, what's my passage on this? I guess I'm wanting 2 Peter on this. Hebrews, James. First and second Peter. Chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says, And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith, faith is how you got saved, add to your faith virtue. That's uh, like moral excellence. And to virtue, knowledge. That's just knowing things. And to knowledge, temperance. That's a little self-control. And to temperance, patience. It's putting up with things a long time. And to patience, godliness. That's being like God. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So they weren't supernatural. They didn't have the apostolic gifts. They were just converts. But they were converts that had let those growth stages happen. They went from faith to virtue to knowledge and all those things. Chapter 3 of uh, 1 Peter, verse 18 says, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Grow. Don't be the same place this year as you were the same time last year. Grow. Do something else. Learn something new. So they were, uh, they were just normal normal Christians. All right, another thing we notice about here is they're addicted to ministry. It says they have addicted themselves uh, to the ministry of the saints. Now, how do you get addicted to something? You do it. You have, and then you, it becomes a habit with you. You know what will keep you from growing in your Christian life and being the kind of person or family that you ought to be? You just don't do things you ought to be doing. You just sit on the couch and don't get up and go do them. Amen. Habitually doing it for a few times. Now it helps to like it. I always use the illustrations of people that you see loving what they do. 
I was at the fair, and even though I wouldn't agree with the lifestyle of some of those people, I have to admit, you could tell some of those people loved what they were doing. <laughs> I've seen people holding up signs for a pizza place. And I mean, they were jiving all over the street corner, twisting that sign around and dancing as they were holding up the sign for a pizza place. Now, I don't necessarily agree with the music they were dancing to, but I'll give them this. They liked advertising for that pizza place. They were as happy as, I could, as you could ever expect them to be. I've talked about uh, Emerald and his cooking show and how excited he gets about some of that cooking he was doing. I've talked about the crocodile hunter and how excited he got about those animals that he was working with and everything. When you see somebody that just loves it, you just want to get in there and have a little bit of that fun with them. If you're around somebody that likes racing, next thing you know, you're asking questions about racing. If you're around somebody that likes hunting, guns, football, whatever, when you see that light in their eyes and you see that smile on their face, they just love it. I'm afraid sometimes other people don't get involved in ministry because they can tell we're not enjoying it. <laughs> Amen. I mean, it just isn't fun to us. And I'm not saying everybody here needs to do every ministry there is. But there's usually one or two things that you can do. It does help to like it. And it does help to be around others who do it. Now, they're addicted to ministry, but notice this point specifically. It says they addicted themselves. Themselves. Plural. The family already led that way. Be a family that does things for God. Now, maybe one of the children will decide that that's just not their thing. They're not called to preach. They're not this or that. But they'll still want to do something for God many times if they're influenced by some people close to them that love doing things for God. They'll just get another little niche. They'll just get another little ministry. It does not say they had a special gift for. It says they addicted themselves to it. Now, I said a minute ago that it helps to like it, and it does, but that is not necessary. There is many a person who did not like something and did it because there was a need there, and lo and behold, they developed a taste for it. When I was a little boy, I couldn't eat tomatoes. I'd gag as soon as you put a tomato in my <laughs> mouth. You know, I kind of like them now. I can have them on that, uh, what do you call that? That little uh, appetizer thing you have with Italian food, it's toast and garlic and basically a slice of tomato on it, bruschetta, does that sound like it? I can eat that now. I can eat a tomato on a hamburger now. I don't like to, I was, I was Bob Jones Jr.'s yard boy when I was at Bob Jones. <laughs> so I was over there all the time doing stuff in their house. And beautiful sculptures and artwork and you could tell it was Bob Jones Jr.'s house. And his wife, Fannie Mae, would have me, you know, bring out the Christmas decorations when it was Christmas time and do different things in the house and around there. And one time she realized I'd been there for several hours, and she said, oh, I, you've been here for here. Let me make you a sandwich. And she brought me a tomato sandwich. <laughs> and I thought, what in the world am I going to do? I can't eat these at all, but I can't. Let Miss Fanny know I didn't eat them. Well, fortunately, they had a couple of Doberman Pinchers. <laughs> and I didn't know this about them, but they loved tomato sandwiches. <laughs> I mean, they about bit my fingers off getting those tomato sandwiches. 
can develop a taste for a lot of things. Now, now listen, there is no shame in you trying a, uh, a ministry. Seeing it just, it isn't a good fit, it doesn't work for you, and you go into a different one. No shame in that. I would never shame anybody for that. Sometimes it just doesn't work out. You do not want to force something that the Lord isn't in. But it's equally true that there will be something you're not that crazy about. You do it a few times and it ain't all that bad. You do it a few more times and you actually build some relationships and your heart goes out to some people and you wouldn't quit it for nothing. So do not just immediately give up and say, nope, I don't like that. I'm not even going to try it not even one time. Well, no, if there's a need, fill the need. You, you may be surprised. You may grow to love it. The Lord may, it may grow on you, so to speak. So they addicted themselves. Uh, the family was led that way, and it didn't matter that they didn't exactly have a special gift for it. But I will say this about them, and, and this is the last point. They were leaders. They, they did have some authority. He said, submit yourselves unto such. Now, he does not go to the house of Stephanus and say, all right, you make sure everybody in this church is obeying you. That's not the way you do it with adults. It's the adult's job to come submit to you, not for you to go get a whip and make them submit. <laughs> Do you understand the difference? That's hard. That was real hard for me as my children became adults. I, I had a hard time wrapping my mind around that one. <laughs> but still, it is the job of the adult to submit to the right authority. This isn't like you know, police work where you make them submit with a taser. <laughs> This is, this is the Lord's work where they choose to submit, where they willingly submit, similar to the marriage submission. Uh, the wife is supposed to submit to her husband. I can give you ten verses on that. The husband is not to go get a whip and make her submit. That's not, there's not a verse that says that. That's verse two. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So they're all the time fighting and setting up divisions between each other. So this family of Stephanus is, is spiritual. They're not carnal. All right, another thing about uh, spiritual people is they discern things. 1 Corinthians 2.15 says, But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. A spiritual person is saying, hmm, that music, uh, I don't think that's good. He makes a judgment on it. Amen. A spiritual person says, oh, wait a minute, the way everybody's doing this right now, spending their money, taking their drugs, looking at their dirty pictures, whatever, this is no good. We don't need to be around this. We don't need to get on the, we don't need to even get on the road going that way. We need to separate from some things. They're, they're judging some things. They've got some discernment about things. Christian that is a baby has no discernment and they just go along with the rest of the world and they end up in some of the same traps that the world ends up in. So when you're spiritual, you're not carnal, you're discerning. Uh, tell you something else, you're concerned with edifying people. 1 Corinthians 14, 12, Even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Something that builds them up, something that makes them stronger, not something that just beats them down and discourages them. Even some things that you're right about, somebody isn't ready for. Well, how in the world can you do anything but discourage them and beat them down if you tell them you're wrong here and you're wrong there and you're wrong there and you're wrong there? Okay, don't be the person that just shows up and every single time tells them the list of 15 things they got wrong. <laughs> Encourage them on the one thing they got right. Amen. They actually took a step in the right direction. Uh, edifying. 
Uh, restoring is a good one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual do what? Restore such an one. Uh, there's a lot of Christians in the Bible Belt are gone. Been gone. It's a good thing to restore them. Let them know somebody cares about them. Why are they able to do this? Well, I'll tell you why. Because they're experienced. They've been in the Lord's work a while. Yeah, they've seen a lot of people fall away, but they've seen a few come back. Yeah, they've seen a lot of people wreck their lives, but they saw a few get saved. They know the Lord's still working. They know this is real. Yeah, they've seen a lot of families split up, but they saw a few rescued. They've seen some things. They're experienced. Romans 5, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. You know what you get with more experience in the Lord's work? You get some hope. You know why a lot of people just throw up their hands and quit? They don't have any experience with the Lord. They tried it one or two times, and when it didn't work, they just quit. If you stick around and get some experience, you'll see there's a real God who's doing some real work, and it will happen. But you might have to stick with him 15 years instead of quitting after six months, like a lot of people do, or less than that. So the house of Stephanus is a model family. They're a family unit. They're known. They're led by the man of the house. They were converts, not apostles. They were addicted to ministry. They addicted themselves to ministry. And therefore, they were worthy of submission. Now, God raised up some men in these last days that'll be some spiritual leaders and spiritual families and women who are willing to be submissive and spiritual so that we can aid the cause of Christ till he raptures us out of here. And Lord knows it needs to be soon or else our society is about to go under. It is not going to last. I read you the articles ever so often just to let you know we're on the last legs of this society. And I pray that God raptures us out here before he completely crumbles. But if he doesn't, what's our job? To be busy doing these things. Be busy just getting some experience in his work. We won't turn things around. We won't probably won't see a, na a national revival. But we can get a few brands out of the fire. We can pull a few drowning people out of the water. We can throw a few starfish back in the water. We can do some good with some individuals if the Lord sends our way. Let's decide that we want to do that. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word. And thank you for the things found here in God.